bandwidth for the Weird Things podcast provided by Wired Tree. For sites of any size and world-class customer service, head on over to wiredtree.com. Welcome to the Weird Things Podcast. I'm Andrew Main, joined by Brian Brushwood. Hello, beautiful people. And Justin Robert Young. Hello, friends. Back again, as if we never left. Listen, everybody, I have a cool trick for you. Mm-hmm. If you Wait. have an Amazon Echo, or known as the Amazon Alexa. Sure, sure. No, I got, I got one downstairs uh, by your urging. One right here. It actually just activated when you said that. Yeah, mine did too. So here, <laughs> check this out. I'm going to say... Alexa, Weird Things Podcast. Getting the latest episode of Weird Things. Here it is from TuneIn. And Weird Things Podcast. Alexa, stop. (laughs) That was amazing. What a good magic trick. Wow. How is that uh, happening? I'm here. I'm here in Denver. Uh, I'm working on a project with my buddy Peter Wax, who may be joining us soon, probably for After Things at, at the very least. And he's got an upstairs Amazon Alexa, and he put one downstairs in his really cool hobby room that I'm in, which has got every every cool collectible thing you can imagine. If there's a there's a zombie attack, I'm like totally set. I've got knives, swords, bow and arrow, everything, nunchucks, whatever. And as a favor to me, he has a he has an Amazon Alexa down here, and he let me set it up with my own account. Okay. Which is great because I can just play my audio book in the middle of the night. But then we're just we're just messing around on Amazon Alexa, and I asked him like, you know, does that does Alexa do podcasts? And he's like, I don't know. And I'm like, well, I go Amazon Alexa. I said, you know, Alexa, play the Weird Things podcast. And she's like, I'm not sure I can help you with that. And Peter says, Alexa, Weird Things podcast. What do you want to hear? Alexa, stop. So then she just started playing the Weird Things podcast, I guess, via TuneIn, which is some other application that lets you do that. So built in, without having to prepare it, it automatically will play podcasts. That is wonderful. Uh, it's funny how, how often I have to uh, train. You know, there, the, Alexa is better than most, um, but there still is a little bit of making sure to phrase things, you know, mm-hmm. uh, correctly. So it's like I keep telling all these second graders, I'm like, no, listen, you have to say, um, man, is this the new uh, 20-teens version of, of saying spoiler alert is saying, I'm sorry if I activate your Alexa, but if it's, you have to say, Alexa, play Spotify, artist blank, track, whatever. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's awesome. Yeah, so uh, somebody says that the podcasts on TuneIn are because of what Todd Whitehead set up. So there you go. Very, very cool. So that's just automatically play podcasts within apparently within that network so and it looks like it actually can pull lot like tune in has a live button here we went live what and so i think you could be so listening apparently to this. all right so this is the rumor if you say alexa listen to diamondclub.fm we'll see live experiments happening right now on your podcast feed uh I don't, it might be happening in your house uh, alexa, alexa did not Listen to DiamondClub.fm. <laughs> Welcome to Weird Things, the show about three jerks who just Where keep yelling themselves. The Alexa. <laughs> Sorry, I can't find the station. Okay, all right. All right. Like, uh, uh, keep going. Like, yeah, like, 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 uh, goblins. So, all right, really quick here. I got one for you. 
it's it's called play that game. What happened? So uh, I just flew here on Spirit Airlines. I always get the big the big front seat. Otherwise, I'd rather ride on the wing. And uh, I'm thankful for my flight because I read about another flight that was very interesting. Some people were on a flight, an Air Transat flight, and passengers screamed and stood on their seats. And flight attendants told people to not panic <laughs> after. Two blank were spotted loose in the cabin of the flight. Wait, oh my god. So something got loose on an airplane and uh, And apparently it wasn't dat booty. <laughs> or snakes. I mean surely it's not snakes. The incident was reported one, to Radio Canada by a passenger who wished to remain anonymous and confirmed by both the airline and its union. All right. So All right. I want to imagine uh, I, I Justin mean, and so I are I'm on an airplane. Cool. We're we're heading out to uh Minneapolis, Minnesota, where we're going to do Night Attack Live. The two of us are, you said, in the emergency row? Is that where we're hanging out? Sure. I mean, the whole flight was affected, apparently. Uh, they scream this. Uh, 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 Justin, what, what's your, what, uh, there's something loose in the plane. What's your reaction? Wait, that's your prompt? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm, this is called, I'm, I'm inviting you into the shared uh, delusion sure. that, yes, we're, yes. that we're okay. doing right I now. I mean, uh, I mean, I guess it would really depend on what it is, right? If it's dust particles, then I'll sneeze. If it's a well, hot-bellied pig, then I would want to rub its little tummy. All right, and let's it- let's pretend this. Let's pretend you and I were asleep, and uh, yeah, because you know we had been up all night the night before, we were cashed out. You wake up, and clearly, the whole fuselage, you know, everyone's in a tizzy. They're Imagine like, oh, World War Z, the airplane scene. Oh, you geez. hear that? That the commotion. There's something. You go back. Uh, Brian, you get to be Brad Pitt. You go look through the the pullback, the first class Kurt, and you look and you see panic everywhere. Uh, I mean, I, I, I close the, the curtain and I ask for another drink. Uh, I don't know. Man of action, Brian Brushwood. <laughs> uh, all right. I, I, I mean, this is something where you need to suppress it immediately, right? Like you kind of... Uh, need to ascertain whether or not somebody is neutralizing the problem. If they're not, then you got to step in. And if not, then you got to stay step away. Right. Like there's, there was definitely a panic crowd control situation that, that, that needs to go down. However, this is all dependent on exactly what's loose. Like, so for example, there are things that are small that are more kind of pervasive terror. Like let's say some sort of poisonous bug or reptile, uh, and then there are larger terrifying things like, you know, a full grown man that's turned into a zombie or or some sort of uh, uh, primate that would rip your eyes out because it's crazy or something like I, I feel like this is all dependent on, on what we are looking at. OK, uh, time out on this scenario. I think you just tapped into something. It occurs to me that in that moment, it's not the actual item that you need to find to be a threat. It's the panic ensuing among all the other people, which makes me wonder if anybody's ever like smuggled in a mason jar filled with bees and opened it, <laughs> and then to, like the bees themselves, of course, would not be the big deal. But the moment you stand up and shout, "Oh dear God, there are bees everywhere!" I it's, just, I just like the idea of somebody holding the jar of bees, like, "Oh, 
This will get them. (laughs) 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 Worst idea ever. (laughs) Well, I mean, no, it's just like he slowly and and in his mind inconspicuously places his beekeeper mask. (laughs) (laughs) It's about to release the bees. I feel like this is what would happen if if, if the Hatfields and McCoys had uh, uh, gone up from uh, from their ground war to air terrorism. Okay, now this this is interesting. I love this beekeeper idea because, like, what if you... And again, I'm not suggesting anybody do this. This is a hypothetical exercise. But uh, certainly a hazmat suit and some blue nitrite uh, gloves would make it through. Uh, And and a gas mask is legal to take on a plane. But is it legal to do all that, go to the bathroom, and then come out and then just say, like, it's fine, it's fine. (laughs) And then just sit down in your seat and continue the rest of the flight wearing a full hazmat suit. I, I mean, I guess they're the, flying in a hazmat suit, period. That sounds like a great idea. <laughs> I mean, the crucial element here is what are your, what's your point? <laughs> I mean, I mean, what, the, the, okay, this would be amazing performance art because there's no more emotionally charged daily occurrence than flying on an airplane, art. right? Things you tell the federal judge. It was performance art. <laughs> Brian Brushwood told me this was performance art. Hold on, hold on. You're telling me you couldn't make international headlines with that? You could be that guy like... like I uh, could make international headlines, and I could be top of the review at the federal penitentiary dance-off, okay? I mean, yes. I'm going to be popular everywhere. Dude, imagine that vine, though. <laughs> you went for the vine! <laughs> Hey, hey, Brian, Brian, yeah. here. Uh, let me pick up the head, the, 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 excuse me, the, uh, the headset. I'm going to tap on the glass. Brian, your vine's doing great. Wait <laughs> to get out. That's You're awesome. I, uh, I, have you met Pedro? He's my cellmate. He's amazing. Your cellmate. Why are you, are you holding on to his pocket? We're best friends. We're best ah, friends. Okay, cool, cool. Well, when you guys get out, you'll be really excited. Chewbacca lady got nothing on you. I mean, uh, by exactly. the way, that was remarkable. I've never seen an explosion of popularity like that. I mean, that was amazing. Explosion of joy like that. <laughs> oh, it's absolutely, dude. Like this, that, this was the week, you know, French bulldog eating a watermelon, Chewbacca lady. It was just delightful. Oh, I didn't see well, the bulldog. It was, it was a happy week for, for viral, uh, viral media, right? Like, those were just like pure explosions of cuteness and joy. That oh, yeah. It was good. It was a good week, guys. It was a good week. No behavior. I love how, by the way, Coles, who she had uh, shouted out uh, as where she had gotten the Chewbacca mask, went and sent her a bunch of Chewbacca masks, which is like very nice by them, but also kind of like one of those like uh, creeper ads that like shows you a vacuum after you buy a vacuum. It's like, yeah. I mean, like well, she's they, really bummed about her Chewbacca mask. Why does she need 50 more Chewbacca masks? Well, they brought, they made a video of them bring, going to her house and giving them to her kids in a gift basket, which already got like 17 million views. So I'm sure. Yeah. No, I mean, listen, good for them. Glad all the kids. I hope every kid on the planet gets a, gets a Chewbacca mask. It was a hilarious video. Uh, but yeah, no, well, it was and, very, and very nice. Specifically, it was everything that's wonderful about the internet in that at no point did you laugh at her. Like it re- it truly was like, like she had an infectious laugh there. It was funny to watch her get caught up in a, um, you know, a feedback loop of every time she laughed, the Chewbacca mask would scream, which would make her laugh more and so on. But, uh, I don't know. It was, it was delightful. It was pure joy. You know, who's not laughing? These people on the plane guys. Oh Yeah. Let's What's okay. loose on this plane, Andrew? All right, time for the guessing round. Time for the guessing round. What's loose I'm gonna on the plane? I'm going to say it's a. Uh, I'm going to say it's monkeys. How how many of them are loose? 
I said they were afraid, Justin, not not squealing with delight and laughter and <laughs> so right. happy that they get to play with a bunch of monkeys scampering around. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's got to be bugs, some kind of bugs. I mean, listen, it is weird things, so you can't write off snakes. You ready? Yep. Yeah. And Brian, by the way, that's a weak guess. That's like most of the animals on the planet. Uh, dude, it's uh, someone make it. Someone call that a smart bet, a smart wager. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm going to give you as sort of an odds return on that, though. Okay. Well, no, no, no. That's fine. I'll, I'll bet a hundred. I'll take a hundred and one when I'm right. How many legs? What is it? How many legs are you saying? Oh, dude, no. It's got to be eight. Since you're asking the question, it's got to be spiders. Is it spiders? What kind, Brian? Uh, oh, my God. Are they tarantulas getting loose in the plane? Ding, ding. Padgett screamed and stood in their seats and flight attendants told people to cover their legs after two tarantulas were spotted loose in the cabin of an air transat flight. The spiders, which reportedly ranged from 10 to 20 centimeters, I don't know what that means, uh, were aboard a Montreal-bound flight from Punta Cana, Dominican Republic, on April 18th. Incident was reported to Radio Canada by a passenger. They came first aid to the person who said that a spider climbed on his legs. Now... I want you to point out that they talked to uh, a University of Montreal expert, Etienne Norbertin, who pointed out they're very common in Dominican Republic and Haiti. They're easy to catch it. They're aggressive, but the venom is not strong. They think that some passenger may have been trying to smuggle spiders, maybe for a performance art project, Brian. <laughs> we don't know. Yeah, look, uh, yeah, how popular do you think these people are, Brian, since you're, you're gunning for this viral popularity? Yeah, yeah, you, 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 you know, I bet it got a lot of traffic on their websites. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. uh, and by Cole, the way... And Cole showed up and gave them all spiders. By the way, uh, Bonnie, uh, Bonnie and I hosted a bunch of people, and, and we're going to talk about the Vive, but one side effect of having the Vive is all of a sudden everyone in your family wants to schedule parties where they bring people in, and when the Vive is running on your uh, you know, primary means of living studio switching PC, you end up having to host a bunch of VR parties. Uh, but in this case, uh, we got the kids downstairs for pizza. And uh, we're sitting there eating pizza, having a good time, talking about, oh, crazy VR stuff. And then uh, Penny's friend goes, <laughs> says, oh, dear God. And, uh, and we're like, what? And she goes, scorpion. And apparently she had her flip-flops off and she felt something crawling on her foot. And when she looked down, there was a scorpion because we, we've got the... The dog is still potty training, so we leave the door open for him to go in and out. And scorpions are just that dumb, where they just keep walking forward. And uh, they uh, walked right inside, and it was a big old fat, this guy. It's, in this house? In the, uh, okay, uh, I mean. <laughs> Bryce is standing on the chair now. Uh, you know, he was downstairs. Oh, God. It's just, uh, I mean, come on. It's Texas. Bryce is trying to get some drywall stilts. <laughs> <laughs> Can Amazon Prime bring him upstairs for me right now? <laughs> Uh, no, no, that's that's a real thing. I, I totally imagine that. So uh, right now we got uh, Peter J. Wax here. It's his uh, little studio I'm sitting in here broadcasting from. So uh, we want to get both Justin and Brian got themselves the HTC Vive, which, by the way, who was the first one on this podcast to go, guys, I've seen the future. I've seen the future. Okay. I uh, can't remember. Yeah, Doc- dude. Let me see if I can get a simulation of them online. Uh, but, first, <laughs> but first, we need to thank our sponsors. That's all of you. Everybody who supports the Weird Things podcast, because if you were able to do that, 
And at least two of my co-hosts can roll large and roll deep and big with their HTC Vibe strapped to their heads. All because – well, not really. But point is, is if you go to patreon.com slash weird things, that is P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash weird things, <laughs> you too can support Weird Things Podcast and listen to tales of spiders and scorpions – hear horrific scenarios in which I threaten Brian's life, you know, just purely through yeah, by, by the way, not for nothing, but there was definitely a spike in patron ple- uh, pledges the moment you started torturing my family and children again. I'm just saying, like, you know, if you ever need to press that button, apparently that's what gets us. Maybe that'll <laughs> be what gets us over the $500 mark per episode. I, I can make that happen, Brian. I can make that happen. Dark, twisted things happen to you. For some reason... Scorpions it, and spiders and centipedes. Yeah, how did you like the scorpion I sent you, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> so there's, uh, and, and, and it's stuff that we can't go into, but, but exciting things are happening uh, around this podcast. And, and in one of the discussions, uh, I recounted what we talked about that was very torturous of Brian and his family last, was it last week with the, with the clone situation? Yes. Uh, man. This is a fun show. I really am glad people like it. And I was like, I, I had a blast just telling people, re-explaining uh, uh, that that scenario. And uh, I am so, so, so thrilled that we get to do this show every single Sunday. And we thank everybody who makes that happen at patreon.com slash weird things. We'll do more of that. We'll do more. I've, I've, when it comes to evil, I mean, theoretically evil, because we all know I'm a good guy and I would never actually try to do something like no, well, I mean, listen. This is this is one of those things. Ruin Brian's scor- vibe party with a scorpion. <laughs> uh, I, I think Justin put it best when he said, uh, "Thank goodness that uh, Andrew Maine is writing books about serial killers because otherwise he would be a serial killer." <laughs> I don't think he ever put it quite that way. <laughs> I mean, or, I'm sorry. What he meant was an invented, twisted, demented, torturous demon uh, serial killer. Thank you, Brian. There you Thank go. You sorry, sorry. I didn't mean to short trip to you. Uh, Gentlemen, all right. Yeah, we have a little bit of tiny delay here. That's why we keep talking over each other. Not because. Oh, sorry about that. No, not you. Not, it's not you. It's probably uh, Brian's fault. I'm not sorry for anything. I'm busy <laughs> playing the Vive. And for the record, I just did a new high score of like uh, twelve thousand points on Space Pirate Trainer. If you're wondering, Space Pirate Trainer, the secret is always use the ballistic weapons. Those are the best because they're instant fire and you have laser sights. What was the question? <laughs> So I'm going to give everybody a little bit of background. You know, there's several different HD systems out there. You have from kind of very simple, the, the gear, which is basically you put a, you know, a, an Android phone inside of a headset or a Samsung phone inside of a headset and it uses the phone. Oculus, which is plug into your PC, which allows you to do you know, some cool gameplay. But the Oculus is, is neat. But what you do is you're sort of in a fixed position. You turn your head around, you look up and you look down. There's the HTC Vive. Which was, I played with the other ones. I have an Oculus. I've had different versions of phone stuff and some different things. The Vive was the one that got me excited because when you put this on, you realize you can move up and down and all around and your position change in all three dimensions versus the other ones, you're looking around in a fixed position. And what really sold me on why this was so compelling was our friend Paul Zach, Dr. Paul Zach, who's been on this show, he's been on Night Attack, who's an expert in neuroscience showed me a really interesting graph that was the difference between somebody watching a large screen TV versus watching something on their mobile device, which they're holding onto in their hand. 
people are much more emotionally connected to something that they're holding onto their hand, not because it's their phone, not because it's everything that they do to their phone, because tactically, because kinesthetically, they're connected to what's going on. And as they move, it adjusts and moves around with them. And when you play the vibe and you understand that like, oh, I'm not looking into a reality. I am really immersed in this and it's responding to how I move around in this medium. A room really is a room. A room really feels like a room. These spaces feel very, very, uh, I, you know, for lack of a better word, it feels very real as opposed to you looking through some other, oh, it's a surround way to look at things like, no, you're, you can, you can go all the way into a corner, you can go back up just from moving your body and not a joystick, not a controller. It feels very natural. So Brian and Justin yeah. jumped on board and got them. And this for me felt like the beginning of a Black Mirror episode. I'm like, something's <laughs> going to go wrong here. So, uh, and, and it all kind of happened very, very quickly. Brian got his shipping notification over the weekend and then wound up getting it on Monday, uh, or sorry, Tuesday. I wound up, we ordered one on Saturday, wound up canceling it on Monday night because a friend of the show, Colleen, uh, who is, is amazing on so many different levels and, and works in that space, especially with video compression, wound up having an extra vibe because that's what, you know, hashtag. That's what happens in Bay Area. Yeah. Uh, and so she uh, was like, hey, listen, if somebody comes over to my apartment and has this uh, amount of money, you can have a vibe right now. And I'm like, yeah, about that. Let's go. <laughs> uh, so, Brian, uh, where, where do we want to start in our uh, less than a week? Uh, I assume that we have played, we have both played a, a fair amount. I found myself playing more video games than I have. In, uh, in the last, what, what Bryce is showing right now is, is just my little test that I did in streaming it. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's called Audio Shield. Let me, let me say this much. Uh, all VR currently available right now is not perfect. Uh, the Vive has problems. So did black and white television. So did the iPhone. So did, I assume, the first radios. But it also represents an undeniable, massive leap forward. It's like um, uh, uh, your grandparents remember the first time that they ever saw a black and white television, and it was truly magical. And they didn't think about the fact like, oh, really, it should have color, it should have depth, it should have more pixels per inch. Oh, it should have digital, high-quality, redundant uh, dvr streams and so on. Um, they didn't think it, but they're really out-of-the-box grandparents. Uh, <laughs> yes, but uh, but but that's that's what this is, and and I haven't experienced the Oculus, but I assume the Oculus is the is a similar leap forward. Uh, I will say that the interactivity, even though you're holding a couple of sticks that represent you know guns that you're holding or whatever, uh, the vibe it it's extraordinary. It's extraordinary, and it actually begins to distort uh, the way you see actual reality. Um, uh, I was sitting there reading my emails and one of the things that I had played with was looking at the desktop in the virtual space. And you see it as this giant representation of your computer desktop. Uh, when I was looking at the actual desks desktop, I had this, um, <laughs> I don't know, this weird unreality feeling to it where I was remembering the other version of this that I saw. I, have you experienced anything like that, Justin? Uh, I certainly was using the desktop quite a bit when I was streaming because it was an easy way for me to take a look at chat. Um, in, in between uh, audio shield uh, rounds. So, uh, and I found it shockingly easy to navigate 
um, when you know I was in in Vive and I wanted to uh, download. I realized I had not downloaded Hover Junkers, which is a which is a game that I played before, but I really wanted to play again. And so I was able to not only buy it through their Steam interface, but then when Ashley's card, which is currently the account that we have hooked up to our uh, to our Vive. Uh, wasn't working, I was able to go into PayPal and go through that PayPal interface and within the VR thing, enter in all my PayPal information and, and, and buy it. So it was, it was very, very, very surprising uh, in terms of how functional that was. Uh, I, I guess really here's the biggest thing when it comes to, to, to the Vive. Like... It solved all the really hard stuff. And, and if anything, right now, the difference between my reactions when I've played the Oculus and when I've played the Vive is that all that's missing with the Vive is new, better, different games. You know, the, the, the Oculus to me, and this is, you know, this argument might not age well because as I've heard, you know, uh, uh, the Oculus with peripherals might be very similar in experience to the vibe eventually. Uh, but as it is right now, like it, it's, it, it's a quantum leap different, you know? And, and uh, if anything, I feel like a lot of the games now, although amazing and engrossing and I love them, they're almost trying to do too much. Like, like the, uh, the, the hack and slash kind of Zelda game that they have out now. Uh, which, Vanishing Realms. Vanishing Realms. Yeah. I enjoy but it's almost like, listen, man, I don't need to have the same sword fight battle every time. If, if you just gave me Final Fantasy in this world where I feel super immersed and, and I, I, I had to do certain spells by moving my hands in a certain way, I would feel just as, uh, just as immersed as I would, you know, uh, uh, fighting this, like, skeleton warrior. And I think these are all things that will eventually kind of come through uh, as we continue to 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 grow and and be uh, you know uh, this this marketplace matures, but really the headline is there's a marketplace, right? There's a marketplace that can and is maturing. Like it is, it is. I mean, uh, remarkable. I feel like is is kind of uh, a repetitive thing to say, but it is engrossing on a level that I have not felt with video games since. I mean, the can, NES. Can, right? Well, since and I was a kid. Uh, actually, that's a pretty good example. I would say when the, with the original NES, you had the original slate of games. You had your Duck Hunt, your Super Mario Brothers, and so on. You had whatever the Rob thing played. Um, similarly, I felt the same way during uh, when the iPhone got the App Store. And like, there are some garbage video games that I have. But just because it's like, well, this uses the accelerometer and it uses 3D, I, I guess I'm going to get it. Uh, knowing that that is the phase that we're at in, in virtual reality immersion just makes me unbelievably excited for the fidelity of experience and the quality of games that we're looking for, forward to in the next five years. Yeah, what's, but you want to know what? Sorry, go ahead, Andrew. interject for a second here. Is that uh, one of the things to appreciate, too, if, you have, if you're not familiar with the vibe, what makes it really special is it has these sensors that go on the walls of your wherever you're at. So it knows your room, the space of your room. So you walk, or if you walk, you walk in game, not using a controller, not saying go forward or pressing that. It physically measures how far as you walk. And if you come near a wall, all of a sudden the grid tells you to back up. But this gives you the experience like it feels like a hollow deck. It really does feel like a hollow yeah. deck experience. And you, uh, Jaime pointed this out, Tensor Guy. When you listen to people 
the language people use to describe the experience is it like you say, I played Oculus, I tried Oculus, and not to knock Oculus. Oculus is probably is going to be a wonderful peripheral for a lot of games and will fit perfectly for that. People talk about being in vibe. I was in the vibe because it really feels like you stepped into some sideways dimension and experienced this. Places, games that I played there feel like real spaces. The room where you go paint is a is is tactically tact is uh, uh, I mean, actually a real place to me. Yes, yes, yes. No, no, no. And and that that experience once once you've done you know painting with light. I mean, there's no unseeing what that was like. I mean, it's it's extraordinary. And it's funny that you mentioned the the whole like being in there because we, I I found the family using that phrase uh, not ironically, not not as a coy you know, a salesy type thing, but just because like, there's no other way to describe what we're experiencing. It's like, and, yeah, I'm going to be in there. So if you need me, well, you're going to have to come let, up and touch me. Let me also make this very, very clear. Uh, we, the, the language in which I think people can responsibly talk about the vibe right now is the same language that you would talk about having an in-ground pool, right? Sure. Like if you have the land and you have the income, it's great. Because there are barriers that, you know, Brian and I both have dedicated rooms for studios that we can hang up permanently these light boxes. We don't got to move them. We don't have to trace the room every single time when we want to play. We have uh, these awesome, amazing computers that we use to stream. And so for us... And on top of all of that, we have the built-in excuse of, look at us, we're creating content for our live on-stream audience. All right, you guys don't need to keep justifying it. Go ahead. (laughs) All I'm I'm saying is this, is that there are tremendous drawbacks that that you need to to understand. And, 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 like... So, like, for us to say, yeah, yeah, I love swimming in my pool. Like, yes, of course, it's awesome. Uh, but there are a lot of, there. I mean, listen, it, it's a very expensive proposition right now. And, and I think uh, we can kind of spin this into some of the news of the week. Because last week, uh, I, I forget if this was Weird Things or After Things, we were talking about, uh, you know, what Google was going to announce. And I think that there are plenty, I think the vibe is very important because it demonstrates that this product is great. This product can be built upon. There is a dramatic future for VR, and this is, to me, the first time that it's that it's it, it's been proven. Uh, Google was apparently in this kind of space. They announced Daydream this week. Andrew, you you quoted it as something that uh, you know that you wanted to hold out on uh, before you w- thought about buying a Vive because you wanted to see what Google would do. What was your reaction? Uh, to be honest with you, I was disappointed. Uh, so they launched Daydream, which I think is going to—it's—it's it's basically kind of the cardboard platform growing up, but it's still a thing to plug your phone into. You know, you look at the—they show—they just showed a concept render of a headset. There's no earpieces. You know, it, it's clearly like yeah, and then you'll plug your earbuds in here, or whatever. I'm sure it'll be cool, but I was really hoping for them to come up with a standalone architecture for mobile gaming based on Android, which I think would be a great opportunity to do that. But it's but they but they, the direction I think their thing is going to, and they may really be right about is the idea that next as next generation phones go to four K displays and they have much powerful processors, you'll be able to do a lot of low latency video and stuff. And they will do really cool VR stuff, but I would love to just see a dedicated VR platform built around cell phone hardware 
but just make yeah. it a standalone device. Can, because- can we loop uh, Peter in on this? Because I would love to get your take from what you've heard on the periphery of this. Have you experienced any of the VR big players? Um, I have, actually. I, I've gotten to um, <laughs> see some really cool stuff. Uh, and and the, the, the paint program that you were showing, that, uh, that was the Google Paint, right? Yes. Yeah, Tilt Tilt Brush. That was Google Paint. Yeah, that it looked like Google Paint. Tilt Brush, it's called, yeah. Yeah, Tilt Brush. They've been doing that. I mean, that was like one of the first applications out there, and it's been used in uh, kind of like as a test platform for almost everything from uh, not just uh, the, the cardboards, but when you started to get to the really cool, immersive stuff, uh, I think that the Vive looks absolutely amazing. I'm half expecting when I get one to open the box and see a little red pill and a blue pill sitting there at the top. You know, it, it, it does which, feel that way. It, it feels as though um, – and, and I likened it to the weird ephemeral feeling when you wake up from a dream. Let's say it's a particularly good dream. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but let's say you, know, you win the lottery or whatever. There's that brief moment when you wake up and you realize that you're not in that world. I, I, I tend to think I want to go back. And this is this is a physical manifestation of that feeling. Like I feel that all the time. I'm like I'm like oh no no I want to go back to where I'm a space pirate training to destroy probes or whatever. Yeah, um, it, it is amazing. The first experience that I actually got to have with with modern VR. Uh, yeah, I I got to do some of this stuff back in the '90s when you had the big clunky eight bit things where you would get. Into the little the Amigas, uh, Dactyl Nightmare. Right, yeah, yeah. They had the the platform that you had to step into the center of so that it could track where you were and everything, and the glasses that weighed more than you did. Um, so to see it get to this point with smartphones, it's absolutely amazing. Um, now, about six months ago, I got to play with a system uh, that I'm not allowed to say the name of, but uh, it had a 270 degree. Um, Holy cow! Peripheral. I, I, I played like a zombie emulator and I got out and my hands were shaking with the adrenaline. And, and then, you know, I went into Flashbacks. like an action one and I was able to duck and weave and like try and dodge assassins. And so, it was, so, it was, I, was, I built up a sweat. I was like, oh my God, because I was just moving so fast and it was like I was there. It, it, it wasn't a game. To, to bring things back to more of a weird thingsy discussion, um, there was a time that. Um, that uh, having a television was a luxury, and everybody knew that if you needed your news, you would just use a radio like any civilized person. And then there was a time that having the internet was a luxury, and then everybody knew, like, you know, during which time, you know, if you want to know the news, turn on Fox News because we all have cable. Uh, um, likewise, we went through that recently with cell phones. I think 10 years after the launch of the iPhone, and I think there's something delightfully poetic about the fact that this is happening exactly 10 years after the iPhone launch, I don't think it's um, outrageous to expect uh, pretty much every person in society to have some form of smartphone, uh, you know, regardless of how much money they make. If you told me a homeless person can afford a smartphone, I would say, yes, of course, because we live in a civilized age and that's how we all interact with each other. How long until having a VR portal becomes uh, obvious? Like, yes, no, of course, you have to have the ability to to look at your own tumor in real time, you know, from the 3D scan that was just emailed to you? I don't think it's going to happen. Um, it, it, not until such time as it becomes a, a, a core quintessential part of communicating with each other. I think one of the reasons that the smartphone became so big was actually because of social media. You can expect everyone to have one because this is how we communicate. We don't call each other anymore. We tweet each other. We, uh, you know, make a Facebook post. We interact in that. And, I- and you have to be able to interact. What? Uh, 
at a moment's notice. You don't need to be in VR at a moment's notice. Yeah, I think yeah. I think there's going to be an interesting role, and <clears throat> it was nine years ago. Um, the uh, wait, I thought it was tw- I thought it was 2006. Was that not it? Was 2007? 2007. Uh, I stand corrected. Okay, but sorry. Anyhow, close, close enough. Anyhow, but but uh, with the I think what we're going to see happen is like you look at how, but because of the launch of iPhones, look the launch of the phones, launch of then the growth of the Android ecosystem, all that. Phones are super cheap. You can buy an Amazon Android tablet on the Kindle Fire for fifty bucks. For fifty yeah. bucks, you can buy. But what would have been ten years, you know, nine years ago, six years ago, an incredibly powerful machine. We're going to see that acceleration with VR very, very quickly in the next couple of years. Where everything your your Vive does within three to four years, you're going to be able to buy a sub hundred dollar device that will probably do that. And I don't know if it's going to be a thing that we're going to spend a considerable amount of time on, you know, into it. Because as we went to wider displays, we found out little mobile displays are perfectly good for a lot of things and sometimes better than that. And so it'll be different experiences for different interactions. But I do think that it'll be like uh, – I, I think that that ecosystem will be far and wide and you'll use it for a lot of things. I think the hardware will get super cheap. I, I, I agree. I think that we are right now at a very interesting convergence point between – the ability for people, the, the the rapid prototyping of people developing software and the more and more players to develop hardware for kind of transcending where we are right now in computing and, and smartphones very much shook up that space. And, and I think when I look at the Vive, uh, I think, well, this is definitely, to me, a logical future for PC gaming and, and even console gaming on some level. Uh, uh, as well as like just interactive uh, 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 narrative storytelling. I think I, I believe in a lot more. Uh, as for the ubiquity of it, I think, you know, it, considering we already have so many players that just want to build something that lets you clip your phone in, and if the phones continue to get better and better, then why not? You know, what's, what's stopping well, uh, and, and- uh, everybody? If everybody has the most expensive part of a VR uh, device in their hands right now or in the pockets, then why can't VR be ubiquitous? To, to Peter's point, uh, he was saying that he felt like it was fundamentally different with smartphones because it brought people together, uh, whereas I, I will agree that on the surface, VR is a, v- a heavily isolating ex- experience, but in the next two to three years, I could totally see uh, simple VR blogging becoming a thing where you you know you stick a widget on the top of your head and you live your life and the moment we see the next Arab Spring the moment we see the next you know Rodney King beating the moment we see the next you know historical flashpoint and instead of watching it on a screen or reading about it in a description you can plug in and say oh I don't know that racism is that bad among cops or whatever and then you 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 plug in and you experience it you're like I think there might be racism among cops or whatever I mean it's like it, it, it's one of those things that once you've experienced and again nothing against cop nothing i'm just saying whatever your thesis is whatever your social commentary is uh the ability to experience it i suspect will be fundamentally different from reading about it or even watching it on a screen manipulate things out of context you know you know and that's true that's true there is at the usc (coughs) mxr lab mixed reality lab they have uh they do some interesting things one of the programs they have is you know the idea of vr journalism and uh you put on your headset you go into the space, you can walk around, they have a, a kind of an earlier generation version of tracking you where you are, and you're in some Middle Eastern city, and then a bomb goes off, you're in the middle of a bomb blast. And it's this very unsettling experience, like what's it like to be there? And, and you'll see, just as 
you know, documentary has become a very persuasive and too persuasive. I mean, I'm, I'm glad that it exists. It should exist. But when friends tell me, well, you need to check out this documentary, you know, like in my internal little respect meter goes, why is that? Just because they're, they're pointing you to a proxy that they're convinced will alter your opinion? Or? They're, they're saying, check out this prepackaged thing intended to manipulate you. Got it. They're, they're like this, this delivery, this, this mechanism, this delivery mechanism for propaganda. Check this thing out because this convinced me. It's like, ah, you know, I think they're very effective. They can have some very good points, but some of the people who are, some of my people who seem to be the most extremely feel very strongly about something, it's like, yes, I got this in all, all the information I needed was in this one documentary. And you're like, well, yeah. Do you think it's possible? And yes, we are all easily manipulatable or man- manipulable. Um, but uh, I, I, I wonder if. Would, and this is pure fantasy. I have nothing to base this on. Please don't hold me to any of this. But wouldn't it be great if the ability to plug in an experience, a VR experience of somebody else with a contrary uh, uh, experience or viewpoint suddenly uh, helped to, I don't know, make mankind lose its appetite for war? Because we, we have no problem going to war with the enemy, with a capital E enemy, when we don't think yeah, of them we've, as people. We've, we've lost our appetite for war in many ways. I mean, uh, cor- correct. As, as we have increased fidelity for understanding of their position, yeah, and, now that we have and, stories and, well, and so but on. That's, but that's also, I mean, listen, that works both ways, <clears throat> right? Because empathy for the horrors of war uh, also can spur action. Right, if you have yeah, well, a VR I, experience of a mass grave, if you, yeah, no, that's true. If if you're there, I, I would imagine that if you're on the ground watching 9/11 unfold, you have a very different opinion as somebody well, who read about it in a newspaper one article. One of the big initiatives we're trying to do now on the government level, as far as intelligence and far as you know activities overseas, is that we have a problem in that that terrorist organizations, ISIS, and other places, Hezbollah, whatever are extremely good at using social media to manipulate people to their cause and presenting their version of things and, and influencing people like this. So, yeah, it goes, you know, triumph of the will. You know, these things go both ways, and they have they have an extreme power to persuade, but it doesn't assume that everybody doing the persuasion is going to be a good actor. And, you know, like anything is you need to be able to be, have one, an open mind and a willingness to go look at multiple sources and to want to challenge your own beliefs. And if you don't get rid of those... These tools only become more persuasive. Yeah. Be, oh, sorry. Go what ahead, we're Peter. Talking about with with virtual reality is still the, the single the, the single point user interface. Well, I'm I'm more curious to see what's going to happen when I can log into my VR and all of a sudden I'm sitting in a, a, a virtual bar with someone from Syria, with someone from uh, Berlin, with someone from London, and I'm able to talk ideology globally you with mean, them. You mean with like a physical representation? We, we could have like several people like visually and hear them at the same time <laughs> I in know. front of a large it's, audience of people. It, it, it's something like that. It's dare to dream. <laughs> uh, well, and what's interesting though is I like I like the fact that your example says hanging out with someone from Syria as if you like like maybe you don't even know who they are. There was a fascinating Planet Money episode where they talked about. Uh, the fact that there is gender bias in hiring. There are heuristics that people use fairly or unfairly. They're, when somebody has to hire someone, they're looking at a literal stack of a thousand resumes and they kind of just go until they find someone that roughly matches their picture of it. And, and it's unfair. Maybe it's a man, maybe it's a woman. But there's there's a company 
that uh, aspires to create a double blinding so that basically you get a call like, hey, we want to have an interview. Uh, uh, this company, it's important to them that they're gender blind going into it. So your voice, will, both voices will be digitally altered to sound like either males or females or whatever. And so it's like maybe it drops a voice so it sounds like Bane or it raises the voice to make them both sound like girls <laughs> or whatever, uh, which, which sounds insane. But I, I think that is uh, – um, a, a useful tool like uh, uh, you know it's it's like that it's that experience that has really become mainstream since the internet came out where you're, you're best friends with someone in internet chat and then you find out they're nothing like you pictured them or whatever I think that by and large has been a wonderful thing and that's only going to get times a million as VR allows us to represent ourselves I, anyway, however we want to be by the way that's my favorite part of doing podcasts and, and um, this has been a thing with radio forever in fact i challenge anybody who is listening to us right now that has no idea what any of us look like because there is always a pocket of listeners that have never seen any of us never googled any of us just uh uh, uh neshcom what, what's the best uh email for us to send people to uh you can send stuff to neshcom at gmail.com n-e-s-h-c-o-m just say what you think we look like <laughs> Like, this is always my favorite thing on the planet. Just go ahead and send it in because it's always, I've done this too. Like, like there's podcasts that I listen to and all of a sudden, I remember there was a wrestling podcast I, I listened to where I only knew what one of the guys looked like. And WrestleMania weekend came, there was an independent show. I saw the one guy and I saw him hanging out with somebody and I'm like, oh, I wonder where the other member of the podcast is because I thought he was a different person in my head. And I'm like, later on, go on to realize that they were like, they were right there. So anyway, uh, I totally get your point, Brian. I think that this is a, a certainly the more we live in VR, that is a more tactile way to do it. But I, I mean, I, I would say I have very little interest in joining a WoW guild or I never have joined a WoW guild. I've never uh, uh, wanted oh, to connect God. people uh, on, uh, with people on that level. I've never really found that uh, interesting. However, you know, Veronica's got a vibe. Brian's got a vibe. If there was a, a, a RPG where we could all going on go on a quest together like i would make time for that i would block out time so we could spend that together and i i, I think that that's I, that's very i powerful. would want to be part of i mean that was and i you know and after i played the vibe and i talk about it the gamer response like yeah well everybody says who's not a gamer says that and they see some new console that'd make me i'm like i buy consoles i play with stuff but my you know my attention span de declines but when it's interactive stuff and it's really fully immersive and all that it's a different thing. And yeah, this is a thing that could make me a gamer. Why didn't I rush out to get the Vive as high as I was on it? Because it was like literally somebody said, hey, we got this new version of heroin. It's not addictive. Do you want to try it? <laughs> yeah. Well, and also it's uh, it's only a $4,000 buy-in to experience this totally non-addictive heroin. Brian, right. you want to see? I'll show you that my closet full of virtual reality capture equipment <laughs> and cameras. Oh, you dude, have yeah. No I'm idea. My array of 3D printers and all of that. I mean, I've got five 3D printers. When I go into something, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll tell let you me, what. Let me, say, let me just say this one final thing on on that point that Andrew just made. I hate rhythm games. My wife Ashley is a you know a, a, at one point was a semi pro dance dance revolution person. She loves rhythm games. <laughs> hey man, Real. shut up, dude. That was my primary form of workout for a decade. No, she, her too. That was her, that was her thing. She wound up losing some uh, crazy amount of weight just playing, uh, playing DDR. Uh, I, uh, I don't like rhythm games. I love audio shield. I don't like, I always feel self-conscious about first person shooters. Cause I'm, I tend to not be good at them. I love uh, space pirate trainer. 
there is just something to the, the 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 tactile response of and it's it's just those little moments those little in space pirate trainer you clear a board and then you just stick out two guns like you're in a like you're in an action movie just waiting for that next wave to come and you just feel like oh dude uh, hey, J- Justin can I make can I make a guess what the move is like the the level finishes and then you drop the guns. You flex both your shoulders. Oh, dude! Yeah, and then you mount and get ready for the next one. Oh no! I'm just—it's just—it's—it's—it's it's, it's both out, like 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 Laura Croft, like just two guns, full <laughs> extension. We're—it's gonna get really exciting when we get games like Monument Valley, and when you start figuring out like what are the rules for physics. Like, let's make a Spider-Man game where we make you feel like you're doing a backflip without yeah. you actually doing a backflip. So- here, here's the weird things kind of end or, or next next level. I'm gonna say I'm gonna if I was gonna place a bet, I'd set the over under at under ten years. We're gonna see entire relationships formed between two people who neither one knows what the other person looks like at all, and they actually get married. I think we're gonna see the first VR marriage Coming in the up next season ten years. Two on MTV's Catfish. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, 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 and and, and I'm going to say that 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 uh, they're not even going to care. They're like, yeah, no, I don't ever have to see what this well, person. We, you could tell me they're have, they're not the gender I that. think they are, and that's fine. We've had that in Second Life. We've had that in a lot of virtual environments. I mean, that's been a thing that's been happening for a long time, where weird relationships. Not not, not to judge, it's weird. We've had, <laughs> we've, I would say, we've had very similar forms of that previously, but at some point, people do want to meet. There is that desire to meet. I think that VR might bridge that gap, where it's just like, uh, yeah, dude, I'll never have the money to go to your side of the planet. I feel like we're soulmates. I feel like this, uh, our experiences are real enough for me. This is all I want. Let's get married and stay for, together forever. Um, the, I, uh, I think, I think there are biological imperatives. I I think that there are also shortcuts that are close enough for uh, a lot of people. <laughs> Brian's talking about a new breed of peripherals. I'm I'm just I'm saying uh, within the next ten years, expect uh, uh, a psychologically deemed healthy, permanent, long term relationship between two people who will never physically meet. And I mean, I guess, live, and, and, and who's really, to say this is this is a weird uh, a, a weird hypothetical though because like we are judging like ultimately. My argument hinges on the idea that they won't want to meet, right? Like, and, and I think that they will yes. probably want to. Now, whether or not people will look at it as a better version of a long-distance relationship that you would have on the phone or in a chat room or in Skype or in FaceTime, uh, then, yeah. I mean, I think that we will, yeah, uh, long-distance, as somebody who was in a long-distance relationship for years, uh, you will always look for for the bleeding edge of technology so you can be a part of it. But I don't know that, you know, if at any point somebody would say, hey, for X amount of money, you can be living with this person, that they would say, nah, this is good. Um, that That's a really interesting question. However, I also don't know what it's like to be... I, I think part of it uh, will be a financial situation because there are people who literally cannot afford to travel to the other side of the world uh, or cannot afford to separate from their family or whatever and this will be close enough for them to get what they want out of it. I mean, sure, but phones are that. 
FaceTimes that. Uh, I, 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 I don't think they're analogous. I, th- I, think, I, think, I think we're looking at a leap forward with VR, and, and we'll only see bigger leaps going forward. But, but I so mean, that's fine. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying we disagree. Yeah, yeah, it'll, be, I mean, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, gentlemen, I'm going to tease what we can talk about on next week's episode, and then I say we jump right into picks. Heck yes. Next week's episode, I say we talk about terraforming the moon. Yeah, let's go. In. In, in, in there in. sleeping. Peter, Peter got very excited about Long. that. Now, when you say terraforming the, the moon, let, let, let me just, just to help set up this tease here. You're talking about a fully breathable atmosphere on the surface of the moon? Yeah, Brian. Huh. Okay. That doesn't seem possible, but I'm interested to hear more. I, I will subscribe to your newsletter. To the things, and I would explain to you uh, why the thing I read on the internet told me that it's possible. I, I believe you. I believe you. Mm. And we'll get into the, the implications of that. But, gentlemen, let's jump right into picks. Who's got a pick? I got a pick. A uh, friend of the show, Rob Kreckel, has been working for Naughty Dog Studios for years and years and years. Uh, his latest, uh, their, their latest title is Uncharted 4. And it was pretty magical to be hanging out with Rob the night that the reviews we're going to drop on Uncharted 4. It was literally uh, hanging out with him, experiencing the vibe for the first time with less than two hours until he would find out what the Metacritic reviews were for, uh, for, for this thing. And it's tough. It's tough to do four of anything because you have to keep coming back to the same well and figuring out ways to delight and surprise. And uh, finally, I started playing Uncharted 4 and it's it's so extraordinary. It's so wonderful. Uh, I think it was Rob that pointed out the delightful parallels between uh, the ages of the typical gamer, or or at least our generation of gamers, and Naughty Dog Studio. When Naughty Dog first started, they did um, uh, Crash Bandicoot, a very childlike, uh, exciting thing. They 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 also did. Oh, geez, I can't remember if it's Jackson Baxter or uh, Jack and Baxter. Uh, Jack and Baxter, a uh, very teenagey kind of game. And then they did Uncharted, which was a very early 20s. I'm seeking my fortune kind of game. Uh, and then uh, and then they did Uncharted 2. Then they did The Last of Us, which really represented the feeling that mid 30 year olds have when they when they understand that they could care about another young individual more than they care about themselves. You know, it's the story of Joel falling in love with this 14 year old girl named Ellie in in a paternal way, not in a uh, relationship way. And now, with Uncharted 4, I absolutely adore the fact that this game starts with all of Nathan Drake's backstory. You see him in an orphanage dealing with his brother. And then, uh, 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 minor spoiler, it's a pre-credit spoiler. If you care about this thing, skip it. But my favorite thing is that after all these young adventures of watching him grow up, you see him in a prison, you see him chasing his fortune, and then the, 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 the credits roll... No, no, no. Before the credits, there, there, there's this moment. No, I think it is after the credits. But, uh, but it starts off. He's he's uh, scuba diving, trying to find some lost uh, uh, whatever. And you go through it. You get the, the the packages or whatever. They raise the thing out. And there's this great moment when you feel like, oh, I'm doing Nathan Drake stuff. You come out of the water. And you're like in the East River next to New York. You're you're next to. Uh, you've got a union job. He got the girl. And this is life afterwards. He's left. He's put everything behind us. And then there's this uh, this amazing reminiscing. He's hanging around in the attic, uh, firing a Nerf gun, using all the play dynamics that you did for for real firefights before. But he's not doing that. He's put all that in his past. And then adventures happen, and he and he has a reason to go on an adventure again. But um, you know, being somebody who's entering his early forties, uh, loved loved the fact 
that this company can create wonderful narratives that 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 speak to me, and I assume speak to the the kids are loving it. They're having a great time as well. But I uh, can't say enough good things about it. It's 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 a real blast. Very awesome. interesting, Justin. Do you have a pick? Uh, I went to go see the Nice Guys last night. Uh, it's the new Shane Black movie. It stars Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling. It's a period, uh, you know, a detective. Well, not detective. They are detectives. Uh, detective film from uh, the late 70s. Uh, if you liked Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, I think you will like this movie. If you liked uh, uh, the original elements of what Shane Black brought to Iron Man 3, you will like this movie. I, I think... Shane Black has never been somebody that uh, has shied away from the fact that he has a certain he has certain tropes that he likes to work with. Those are currently those are very much on display here. I liked the movie, but I didn't love the movie. And I I, I have kind of a, a day out sort of, I think, put a little bit of my finger uh, on as to why. And really, it's it's that Ryan Gosling for as great as Ryan Gosling is isn't Robert Downey Jr. And he's not Mel Gibson. And it, it just shows you how rare both of those guys are that slotted so seamlessly into these Shane Black archetypes where they're kind of, you know, uh, uh, S-bags, right? Like they're kind of like very flawed to the point where they're damaging to other good people around them characters and yet you root for them. And yet... You, you want them to succeed. And that is so hard. It is so, so, so hard to do. And yet Gibson and, and Robert Downey Jr. can do it effortlessly. Gosling has a little bit of a harder time doing it. But movies worth seeing. Go ahead and check it out. The nice guys. Peter has a pick. Oh, sure. Um, Strange Days. All the talk about VR, go see Strange Days. Holy cow. Uh, you're, you're talking about the one where Mick Jagger plays the bad guy? That's Free Jack. Oh yeah, um, no, no uh, mid nineties. Uh, it's a movie about this this just emotionally and psychologically destroyed cop who's selling. Catherine Bigelow directed it. Me, um, selling um, memory clips of other people for people to view on their VR headsets, uh, and it turns into this big murder mystery, all sorts of crazy stuff going on. Amazing, amazingly fun movie from the mid nineties. Nineteen ninety five. Yeah. It's one of those like, hey, the internet's exciting. Where's this going to go? Let's make a movie about the future. There are some really cool futuristic movies in the 90s like, you know, Demolition Man. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Three shells. Three shells. By the way, that was the part that annoyed me the most about uh, and, and still annoys me to this day is I had, I'm annoyed at how wrong I was. Like I walked out of Demolition Man angry at how idiotically optimistic it was about technological advances in the next 10 to 15, 20 years. And now here I am on the other side of that, and damned if they didn't get more right than they got wrong. You know, it's like we're, we're, we're still remembering, you know, and praising the Red Hot Chili Peppers just like they did in there, and, and so much <laughs> has not changed. My pick is a uh, little technology pick. It's something that Peter and I have been using, and it's been very helpful. Uh, if you have to find yourself doing PowerPoint presentations or something along those lines, Google Slides is a really good way to collaborate, to have different versions of something, not have a bunch of files spread across. You can import your PowerPoint or whatever in there. So uh, Slides is really cool. i got a pick I'll bring in uh, probably maybe next week or the week after, too, a really good Adobe thing, too. But 
uh, Adobe Voice, which is good. But anyhow, that's my pick. Is I found it was just super easy. So, little tech pick for you there. Awesome, gentlemen. It's been weird. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program.